This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, September 21st, 2014. David, the challenge. Well, David knew what it meant to wait on the Lord. When David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, he was just a boy. And David would wait many years before being crowned king at the age of 30. After he killed Goliath, he experienced instant fame, and soon after, he became hated and hunted by King Saul himself. This morning, we look at the challenge. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown, and I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection and a sinner who's been saved by God's grace. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, wow, we just thank you for today. We thank you for every person here, Lord. There's no mistake that anyone's here. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our souls, just our entire being, to all that you have for each one of us. Help us hear the message that you have for each um, person. Help us hear your voice. Lord, we pray most of all that we're changed and transformed by your message that is found in the Bible. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so immediately following David's victory over Goliath, Saul wanted to know, who is this kid, right? Who is this kid that just slayed the giant, Goliath, with a sling and a stone? Well, the commander of the king's army, he immediately, he brought David to Saul so he could find out more about him. And we read in the beginning of chapter 1 of 18, first verse, that after David finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. Well, we can guess that as David is talking with Saul, Jonathan, Saul's son, he's present and he's listening to the entire conversation. I can just imagine as David is answering all the king's questions, Jonathan is thinking, man, I love this guy. I love his courage, I love his boldness, his love for the Lord, his skill with the sling, his humble heart, I love everything about him. And we know that an instant bond developed between the two of them. Now the next line that we read here in scripture, it's actually both bitter and sweet for David. Say it with me. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Wow, David's life will never be the same again. His days of working for his father as a shepherd boy, like those days are long over. He is now in the king's court, and he is not allowed to return home. I mean, who would have thought that his father's request to check on his brothers that day would end up putting him in the service of the king himself? <clears throat> well, God knew. God was strategically placing David in the king's court for his next phase of training and preparation. Now, just a side note for us not to miss here. David did not have to maneuver, manipulate, or force his way from the field tending the flock into the king's court. 
God placed him there at just the right time. And the same is true for us. When we are open to God's plan in our lives, God will put us exactly where we need to be, exactly when we need to be there. So can you think back to times when God did this for you? Open doors of opportunity at just the right time? So David's life, however, was forever changed in that moment. And life, life is lived moment by moment. One moment in time can change and impact the course of our lives in an instant, either for positive or negative ways. The challenge for us is not necessarily how our lives are changed in those moments, but who we are and who we become when it changes. So as an example in my own life, many years ago, my life was pretty out of control. I was a single mom, two kids, who self-medicated my own hurts with alcohol and relationships. Well, one night, one rainy, foggy night, I was driving home, I had a few drinks in me, music blaring really loud, and I was traveling down these back roads, twisty, turny, Anyway, I was coming up over this steep hill, getting ready to down, and I was like flying way too fast. And then all of a sudden, I heard this voice shouting above the music, and I'm the only one in the car, slow down! And it startled me so much, I immediately slammed on the brakes, and as I'm coming to a stop, I see in the fog the silhouette of this huge deer literally standing in the middle of the road in that moment. Now, I don't know what would have happened to me had that intervention of that voice shouting at me. I don't know if I'd even be here right now. That moment was a life-changing moment for me. I will never forget it. And it was the very beginning of me really wanting to seek and hear God's voice. I wanted that voice in my life. I needed direction so bad at that time of my life. Well, David here, he's now challenged to navigate living in a totally different environment. He's going from the field to the king's service with no advance notice. David becomes an instant king. And the question is, how will David handle it? <clears throat> we pick up with verse 3 as Jonathan and David continue talking. We read, And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. <clears throat> So here we have Jonathan, the firstborn son of Saul, the crown prince, the next in line to be king, and then we have David, the youngest-born son of Jesse, a farmer. These two men are both in line to become king. Jonathan through royal birth and, God, and David by God's anointing. Biblical scholar David Guzik points out that the pact they made that day was actually a covenant of friendship. 
And that covenant of friendship later proved to be stronger than any jealousy, envy, or ambition that either one of them had for the throne. Jonathan seals the pack by giving David his robe, his belt, his bow, and his sword. Bible scholars agree that this was a symbolic act by Jonathan indicating his willingness to transfer the right of the throne to David if that was God's will. So we next find out that whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. Now, it's interesting to note here in this story that nowhere do we hear David ever grumbling. He understands who the king is, and it's not him yet. We never hear him flaunting his success or letting the fact that he's going to be the next king, like he doesn't do, I'm going to be the next king dance, you know, he never does any of that. Even with his friendship with Jonathan, instead he acts wisely, he humbles himself, and he submits to Saul's authority. So as the story continues, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women and all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Say this line with me. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Wow. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me only with thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So Saul immediately gets angry. He becomes threatened and suspicious about the people's motives. Now notice at this point, it's not David's motives he's questioning. He's questioning the people's motives. Next, They'll be making David king. Saul can't bear the thought of the people rejecting him as king. Saul has his value and his affirmation. He gets his value and affirmation from the people. I mean, this was the whole reason God rejected him in the first place. Saul is a people pleaser. He cared more about what the people wanted than what God required of him. So this is a warning to all of us people pleasers out there. You know, we've really got to practice putting what God wants above what others want. We know that that can be really hard to do. So say this next line with me. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Hmm. Now, If we've ever experienced jealousy, we know that jealousy left unchecked is just not good. It's never good. And I have to admit, while writing this message, I was thinking back to a couple of times when I had been jealous. And one of those instances that 
like immediately popped into my head had to do with my two stepsisters, Lisa and Julie, who are several years younger than me. You know, and here's the thing, after our families blended together, they just had a better life than me. They had a better education, better parenting, better everything. They even had their college educations paid for by my dad and stepmom. I had student loans. I was jealous. Now here's the thing, what I was really jealous about was that I had this fear that my dad might actually love them more than he loved me. And because of my jealousy, like part of me, I secretly hated them. And it was really ugly. And here's the thing, it really prevented me from getting to know them. I mean, they're like grown adults now, and I really don't know them. So the book of Proverbs warns us about jealousy in several places. Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Say the rest with me. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Proverbs 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. Say the rest. But jealousy is even more dangerous. Wow. Jealousy destroys us and others in the process. Not to mention jealousy, right? It can make us a little crazy. I don't know if you've ever been crazy when you've been a little jealous, but it does that. Especially when we're comparing our, actually when we're comparing their haves to our have-nots. <clears throat> we need to really watch out when that happens. So getting back to David, we read, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. So a little backstory on this. When Saul was originally anointed king, he was given the Holy Spirit. The problem for Saul was that he didn't listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. After David was anointed to be the next king, we learn that the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. This left him even more vulnerable. Now, here's the thing. Instead of Saul choosing to turn to God for help, Please don't ever forget, we always have a choice to turn to God for help, always. Instead, he doesn't do that. He is consumed by a tormenting spirit which is provoked by his already existing anger, jealousy, and envy. And that drove him to behave like a raving madman. I totally believe that if Saul had made a different choice, I totally believe if Saul had humbled himself and asked God to help him, this story would actually have been written differently. Now David would still end up being king, but Saul would not have had to be continually tormented by his emotions. So the question for us is where might we need to humble ourselves and turn to God 
so that some of our stories can be rewritten. Now here's a sad thing. David's musical talent, it used to soothe and calm Saul down when he became overwhelmed with his tormenting thoughts. It doesn't work anymore because guess what? David's playing, right? It's like he can't get that song out of his head that the people sang. He keeps hearing it over and over. Saul is slain as thousands and David is tens of thousands. Like Saul just can't get that song out of his head. So instead of him calming down by the sound of the music, he gets infuriated with David as he watches. And it's, okay, never ever a good idea to have a weapon in your hand when you are infuriated with anger or jealousy, especially when they're the ones that are playing the song. So Saul takes his spear and he hurls it at David, trying to pin him to the wall. And here's the thing, not once, right? But twice, ouch. Can you imagine if you're playing music for the king and you look up and here comes a spear flying at you in the air? I can't imagine what David must have been thinking. I mean, maybe he knew the risk, right? (laughs) The whole reason he's playing for the king is because his playing is the only thing that calms him down. Once could be considered possibly a mistake, depending on how close the spear came, but twice, not so much. So it's interesting to note here, though, After Saul's two attempts to harm David, David does not retaliate against the king. He doesn't gossip about him. He doesn't do anything foolish. David simply escapes his presence. He simply escapes his presence. So as we continue, Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. Say this last line. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful leading his troops into battle. Wow. (laughs) This is such an awesome story. And here's why, because it's our story. We encourage you to read chapters 18, 19, and 20 later this week. As you do, you will learn that Saul's motives continue to be influenced by his emotions. He wants to have David, his perceived enemy, killed. Notice his perceived enemy. Here's the thing. David is not Saul's enemy. David has done nothing wrong. And actually, David could have been a huge help to Saul if he would have let him do that. Saul is not willing to deal with the real problem, which is himself. Now, I have to admit, it is so hard. It is really hard for us to deal with ourselves. It's so much easier to blame others, to see their faults. Saul isn't ready to look at himself. 
Instead, he's driven by anger, envy, and jealousy while he tries to trip David up. He hopes David will make a mistake, and he hopes that David will be killed in, the bat- in battle. Now, when Saul's plots don't work, he orders his servants and Jonathan to kill David. Jonathan now is in a really difficult position. See, here's the thing. Jonathan, he loves God. He loves his father, and he also loves David. Jonathan ends up doing the right thing. He warns David about the attack on his life, and he also talks some sense into his father who's about to commit murder. So as a result of Jonathan's intervention, Saul calls off the murderous plot, and David is safe again, temporarily. After several more failed plots to kill David, David is finally forced to flee as a fugitive. Now, in this story, it turns out that Saul's real enemy is his own pride. It was his refusal to humble himself before God and ask for help. God, help me. I need your help. That's his real downfall. Saul can't see the truth because he's gripped by anger, envy, and jealousy. Now, I know we can all relate to these motions at some point in our lives. I mean, who has not been at some point jealous about someone else's success? right? Or, you know, maybe we've had others in our lives that might be threatened by our success. So the question for us to consider is, when we see these emotions playing out, like where we see them being played out in our own lives, where do we see that? So for some of us, the emotions driving us might not be anger, envy, and jealousy, Maybe not at this moment. But they could be things like fear, worry, lust, selfish ambition, pride, power, or even something totally different. So the challenge for us as we continue to map this story onto our own lives is to allow ourselves to see ourselves in each of these characters. When we can see ourselves in Saul, David, and Jonathan, that's a great opportunity for us to grow. So the next time we get jealous or we're driven by some other emotion that causes us to lash out or be threatened by another or attack someone else, let's remember Saul. Let's recognize our need to humble ourselves before God and pray God, please help remind me that my value comes from you. My value doesn't come from my success. My value doesn't come from other people or my lack of success or what I have or what I don't have. Our value comes from God. So let's also remember Jonathan, especially when we see these things being played out in the lives of people we love. You know, it took real courage for Jonathan 
real courage for him to both warn David and to have a come-to-Jesus conversation with his father, the king. That took some courage. And it can get really tricky when there's relational dynamics going on here. We've got superiors, family members, subordinates, friends. It can get really tricky. So let us pray about how we can have these crucial conversations. They are great opportunities for you to speak truth into somebody else's life. They're also great opportunities for us to do the right thing. You know, even when doing the right thing isn't easy or popular. So finally, let's remember David and his character. I mean, we have to love him, right? He didn't flaunt his success. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't retaliate. He acted wisely. He acted wisely in his response, and he simply escaped. Simply escaping, especially when you've got a raving madman, is a really good thing to do. Or woman. I know some of us have been raving mad women, so. (laughs) Simply escape. So let's learn how to follow David's example and not react when we're attacked by others. This was perhaps one of the greatest qualities that David had. He had this God-given ability not to react in the moment. Instead, he put some space between himself and his human nature to react. This is something that is really challenging to do and really challenge you to practice that the next time you see yourself getting aggravated. Put some space. A little space makes a huge difference. See, the other thing with David is he could see the bigger picture. He knew that God had his plan. So let's pray that God will help teach us put that space so we can do the right thing, so we can turn to God and say, God, help me separate myself from what's going on. Give me that godly wisdom to help me react in the way that is appropriate and that's honoring to you and others. Really tough, really tough. So I know none of this is easy, and we know it's a challenge, but in the end, it's really what God wants for all of us. So this is the Good News Connection Church. Let's live it, let's believe it, and let's pray. Gracious God, wow. We thank you for your message, your story found in Scripture so that we can learn to be the people of God that you are creating and working in each one of us to become. Lord, I pray that you would just meet us where we are. Help us um, be willing to look at ourselves and to map some of that ugliness onto our own lives so that we can humble ourselves, and become more like David. So, Lord, we just give this to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website, 
at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.